Each week, Richard and Father Mark present a rigorous discussion of the Bible in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult questions meant to keep you engaged. Over 24,000 episodes are downloaded each month at no charge. Please consider marking your level of support with a one-time donation or by pledging a small amount per episode. To learn more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. People embrace social norms in much the same way that fundamentalists embrace religious rules as a means of self-approval. A person feigns modesty either to win acceptance or to exemplify correctness. That's why St. Paul's disciples in 2 Corinthians are so distressed by his boasting, not only because his behavior is socially unacceptable and grossly immodest, but because in human eyes his cause for boasting is even more absurd than his arrogance. Richard and I discuss 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to You're listening to the Bible as literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 138 of the Bible as Literature podcast. It's always been intuitive to me that by boasting and bragging, you are able to help people feel the burden of the pressure of the Torah existentially. They don't just hear you talking about how God puts pressure on you. They actually feel the pressure because whether or not someone respects you when you boast, they take it as a challenge. Who does he think he is? He falls short in all of these ways or he's so egotistical. And you begin this battle with your own ego and your difficulty with the ego who's boasting. And then people respond to that by trying to prove that they're just as smart or just as great. And this is exactly how the law functions in the Old Testament. You're going to prove to God that you can do the law when the only possible outcome is your failure in Deuteronomy, your death. You're going to brag to Paul that you can do it too, but you can't compete when someone is willing to boast to the extreme in order to make the point. And that's what happens in the gospel when Jesus says you have to be perfect as your father is perfect. It's not possible. Paul is dealing with a flock who's confused. Sometimes Paul is really tough, putting on a lot of pressure and boasting. And then sometimes he's meek and his speech is despised. So they're confused. And I think one of the reasons why people get confused is because they end up mixing up the ego of the person speaking and the message that they're teaching. Now, with the Lord, the ego of the Lord and the teaching are exactly the same thing. When it comes to Paul, Paul is channeling a teaching that's not necessarily tied up with his ego. Now, he uses his ego and he uses his self in order to make sure that the people understand the teaching. But the people are confused because when Paul speaks boastfully, they think, like you said, Father, who does he think he is? doesn't matter who he thinks he is. The question is, what is he teaching? And just as Paul accuses his opponents of functioning like Satanas, 
Paul is confessing here, beginning with verse 16, that he is functioning like a stand-in for God. He is God's proxy. So he's saying, if I'm bragging as Paul on behalf of Paul, I'm a fool. But I'm not bragging on behalf of Paul. So I'm bragging as God would brag. Indulge me some foolishness because I am only Paul. But still, if you accept that it would be foolish for Paul to boast, let's deal with my boasting and see what we can learn from it. See how it illuminates God's teaching, which is why I'm here. Once you make the assumption that the boasting is coming from the Lord, the hearer has the chance of learning. You have to speak from the Amvon with authority. You cannot speak as one of the people, and you have to come from above the people. This is so important, and it is so alien and so foreign to the postmodern psyche, but it's how scripture works. Again, I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I may also boast a little. He's saying, look, I need to boast. And if you're so egotistical that you think, I think I'm God, that's fine with me, because the outcome will be the same, which is what I was trying to say earlier. I'm going to boast, and you can understand that I'm not bragging about me, or you can take it as though I'm bragging about me. I don't care, because you will get the message. And he's been saying in the first part of this chapter that he's doing this for them. I mean, he's tried to explain himself seven different ways, and hopefully by this point, we as the hearers can understand that he is boasting for our benefit. What I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness and this confidence of boasting. So again, I'm not God. If you think I think I'm God, you're not getting the message. I'm doing this confidently because I know I'm not God and because I know you need to hear it. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. So the other apostles are bragging that they were close to Jesus. They're the relatives of Jesus. They knew Jesus. I know Jesus. Who is this Paul character? Wasn't he persecuting us? Blah, blah, blah. They're all bragging. They're bragging about what great Jews they are. Again, I hearken unto Galatians. You want to convince me that you're a Jew when I am a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees, and studied with the greatest of the Pharisees? And I exceeded all of you in my Judaism. And you're going to question whether I'm a Jew. That's how Paul is talking. He's dismantling their worldliness. He's dismantling their understanding of what glory is and what respect is. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. He's making fun of people who feign humility. They feign humility when people's arrogance suits them. But when Paul's arrogance offends them, suddenly they, the humble who are so wise, condemn Paul. Well, the people who are really good at boasting, they suffer them. But Paul, who's sometimes boasting and is sometimes humble, they don't take his boasting seriously. He's like, well, maybe if I'm foolish, maybe then you'll take me seriously, because I've seen the fools that you've suffered so willingly. That's an important point, because you're right, he does vacillate, and the vacillation is what undermines their reception of his boasting. It's not just they can't stand him boasting, it's that the manifestation of his apparent sins emboldens their resistance against his boasting. I mean, earlier they were complaining that he's so forceful in his letters, but he's so meek in his appearance. What's going on? For you tolerate it. If anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face, and this is so true. You want to know what a person really cares about. You look to see who they allow to abuse them. 
Everyone takes abuse. But a person's priority is revealed by what they're willing to endure from what source. They're willing to be respectful consistently to the one who is honorable in the foolish worldly way. But when Paul does not act honorably in their eyes, they're willing to undermine him, ignore him, and consider him a fool. And so Paul is trying to, again, undermine what they understand to be honor. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. Now he's being sarcastic. Now he's boasting of the cross. Because even though Paul can crush you in worldly terms, he's saying, I'm not really as impressively worldly as my opponents. And so now he's playing the weakness card again, which, you know, he's shaming them. He says, to my shame. But when Paul says, to my shame, you know what he actually means is, I'm shaming you. But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. Now, why am I bold? Not because I was the greatest Pharisee who ever lived, although I will boast about that in worldly terms just to crack open your brain. What I'm boasting about is the cross. I'm boasting about this teaching. And that's ultimately why you won't accept it. Because I'm coming at you as though I'm the president of the most powerful country in the world. And I'm demanding things of you, but I'm actually a wimp. What do you do with that? He wants to show that he himself is a wimp and he's going to boast in his wimpiness and that wimpiness is to be his honor. Like you said, he's using this to crack open the brain of the people because they don't understand what honor is and when he boasts in his weakness, they can't get it. And now he gives his pedigree and what's cool about the way he gives his pedigree, it's interwoven with feats of human strength but also feats of weakness. Are they Hebrews? So am I. So technically, I have the pedigree. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. If you're going to question me in terms of my bloodline and my DNA and my tribal affiliation, I hit all of the categories. I'm going to use this foolish worldly honor, which seems to impress you so much. I don't know why you're so much more impressed by them than you are in me, because we have the same genetics. Are they the servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. So he was a fool earlier. Now he's nuts. I'm more so. Far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. And this type of boasting, he's got two types of boasting. Boasting in worldly terms, am I not a Jew? And then boasting in, let's say, biblical terms, was I not made a laughingstock? Was I not humiliated? Was I not beaten down? But it's only the first kind of boasting that he calls out explicitly as foolishness. It's an extension of the contrast he was making earlier between lofty speech and foolish speech. That's the thing that's so great about Paul is he can boast in either mode and he will say the mode that you respect is the dumb mode. I can do it. I can boast in this way that seems to be so impressive to you. It's stupid, but I'll do it. Here's the way that I really am boasting. This is what I actually boast in. This is where I actually find honor. And this is what I want to convey to you is this is where you ought to seek honor. But because he's boasting functionally, even when he's boasting about weakness, he can boast about weakness magisterially. He's not talking about a way to be. Once again, he's talking about your reference. I am all things, Paul teaches elsewhere, to all men. 
I will do whatever I have to do. I will be whatever I have to be to serve my premise, which is the word of God. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangerous from rivers, dangerous from robbers, dangerous from my countrymen, dangerous from the Gentiles, dangerous in the city, dangerous in the wilderness, dangerous on the sea, dangerous among false brethren, no matter where Paul goes, no matter where he turns, whether he's keeping company with the Jewish people or keeping company with the Romans, the Gentiles, he is persecuted. And there are the two types of persecutions that he receives. He's got the persecutions at the hands of nature, so to speak, in the rivers and on the journeys and in the deep and the shipwreck, but then also among the people, the 39 lashes, which is the traditional punishment. Actually, it shows up later in the Mishnah in Jewish teaching and the beatings and the stonings, which are all traditional Jewish punishments and then false brethren. So even people who believed in Christ's teaching, those are the false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. So now he's bragging. Notice how he turns it around. And when you do this, the classic response of the American is, well, we're busy too, Father. We feel pressures too, Father. Our life is hard too, Father. This is the classic response. And people cannot get over themselves. They cannot put themselves under the reading and accept that if the priest is saying, I'm doing all of this for you, that you have to acquiesce. And the reason you can't do it is because you don't believe that the book the priest is holding in his hand came from God. You believe it came from a publishing house. Well, and when you say the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches, why does he have to be so concerned about the churches? Because the people aren't actually following the teaching. So he is having to do all this stuff, and he knows it's not temporary. He knows he's going to have to keep doing this until eventually the churches get it, and it doesn't look like the churches are going to get it anytime soon. So he's going to have to continue to go on these journeys and to be oppressed and to be punished and to suffer all these different things for the sake of the churches who need this teaching And so he has to continue on this path. While some people say he's an idiot and other people say he's arrogant. Which is Paul? Both. Because of how people understand that. Because when he's listing off all these things that he's having to suffer, he's not saying it. like, oh, Paul, you shouldn't have to go through all this. You should rest. You shouldn't have to do this. We feel sorry for you. If you want me to suffer less, don't tell me to suffer less. Go and follow the teaching better. Who is weak without my being weak? If I'm not weak, there's no hope of your weakness. Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Who is the shepherd that will rescue you when you screw up? As you've screwed up, and as I'm rescuing you at this very hour with this letter, if I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. The only thing I'm actually boasting about here is all these things I've suffered. And if you feel bad for me, Don't feel bad because I'm going to boast. I'm going to continue to talk about it. I'm going to continue to seek it out. 
until you can understand that this is what comes of the gospel. This is the fruit of the teaching. If you were actually following the teaching, this is the fruit that you would enjoy too, except because you're still under the worldly concept of what honor is, you avoid the fruit that I am experiencing. Let me illustrate verse 30 to you. It's very simple. If someone doesn't submit to verse 30, when they talk about how unworthy they are, or they present themselves as being modest, to a disciple of the Apostle Paul, they are supremely arrogant. I am not impressed when someone gets up and says, who am I? Because according to the teaching of the Apostle Paul, if you say, who am I? You don't belong up there. You have no right to be there because you're the reference. You're bragging. This is what's so difficult for the one who is foolish in scriptural eyes. People are fooled with false modesty. You can accuse Paul of anything you want. You can't accuse him of false modesty. He is manipulating you so that you can't be manipulated. You have to understand that there is something worthy of boasting that has nothing to do with you. And if you understand that, then you realize you have a duty to boast about it. And once you don't boast because you don't want to appear arrogant because it seems foolish, Paul says sarcastically, you're so wise that you understand that boasting is foolish. Then you are fooled by the serpent, as he explained earlier in this chapter, and he can't help you. This is what people don't get. In 1 Corinthians, when Paul says, I am the least of all, he's bragging. He's bragging in a big way. So stop trying to pretend you're modest. Stop trying to win friends by being socially acceptable and make a decision that you are not allowed to boast like Paul. So therefore, when you preach, you will boast. Well, when Paul says he's the least of all, he's got evidence. He's got data. You want to know how little I am? Here's all the things that I've suffered. The person who in our society says, I'm not worthy, what do they have to show for their unworthiness? Have they actually suffered what Paul is suffering? Even one one hundredth of what Paul is suffering? No, they haven't suffered anything. They haven't suffered anything. When Paul lists these things out, he's trying to show that he is honorable in the anti-honor school that goes against the Roman understanding of honor. He is embodying the fruit that comes from following the gospel. This is what is supposed to happen. It's impossible for someone in our society who is strong and well-fed and drives to work and the worst thing they run into is traffic and then getting rained on when they have to walk across the parking lot to their job where they have health insurance and then they're going to go home and say, oh, I'm not worthy. No, you're worthy of the world's honor. Congratulations, you get the world's honor. That's why you get the big check. But are you worthy of the gospel's honor? By no means. There is nothing that you've suffered. When you brag about your lashes for worldly honor, you are missing the point that the worldly ascesis in Deuteronomy can only result in death. Paul is offering you life. You're settling for death and he's offering you life. In Damascus, the ethnarch under Eretus the king, the ethnarch is the leader, the governor of a province, the, the ethnic leader of the Arabs in this case, Eretus the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes in order to seize me. So he had the leader of this entire province in Arabia who was guarding the walls of the city to seize Paul. 
and I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and so I escaped, and so escaped his hands. So look how I can brag at the stature of the people who are trying to kill me. Let me ask you... Who tried to kill you? Who tried... You thought that the guy who cut you off on the freeway was trying to kill you, but you didn't have to escape. You just honked, you got angry, and you went along. That was the biggest threat that you underwent today. I love how Minnesotans, they complain about how their boss persecutes them or how their parents persecuted them. Paul has got bigger fish to fry. He was dealing with the leader of Syria. No one knows you or your persecutor, so don't tell me you carry your cross daily. Thanks very much, Dr. Thank you, Father. You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.